Welcome to the Athletic Evolution Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Anderson. Today, I'm speaking with Rob Smalden and Sam Guy from Cornwall High Performance. Just to, to give us a start, can you guys just give us an overview of your athletic background? So what's your kind of background in sport? How did you guys get involved in sport? Yeah, so, oh, well, I'll go first. Yeah, go for yeah, it. Yeah, um, for me, I've played or oh, soccer, football, whatever we want to call it now, since I was since I was six, like for, you know, um, in a structured setup and then um, stayed with that ever since. Uh, I did have a good bout at track and field um, between 11 and, or even younger, maybe 10 till 15 or 16, but ultimately I did get a little bit bored with um, running around the track twice as quick as I could. I found it uh, fairly, fairly difficult, so I re- re- sort of returned back to, to playing football, um, every week and uh and then the gym started at about a 16 17 um typically went through the same learning process i imagine most people do kind of doing it really badly and then started to read and then start to do it a little bit better and gradually sort of um improve my knowledge in that area and my own training and uh ever since then really it's just been football gym and um and surfing as well really um quite simple for myself yeah, I mean, I, I, my, mine's a little bit more unconventional. I mean, I, um, my passion and uh, I would, I would say, addiction is, um, is water related, and uh, I've been surfing since the age of 11, 12, something like that, and uh, it's taken me all over the world. Um, non-competitive, just recreationally, um, uh, but all my, I guess, all my sort of training and um, gym-based stuff has been loosely revolved around, uh, you know, trying to get, trying to get myself robust and resilient for that sport. Um, and um yeah that's it really and then from a from a sort of a more mainstream approach i had a a military background as well i was a royal marines commando for the best part of six years um so obviously we're all aware of the, the physicality involved in in that sort of career um and, and that's it in a nutshell rob mm, that's really interesting i didn't actually know the royal marines think about you rob yeah yeah i mean i looking back now actually it's it's quite interesting that was that was sort of early 90s and um uh, I look back now at it, you know, definitely don't regret it. But I, if I look back and we dissect the basic training, which of course goes on at uh, Limston in in Devon, just outside Exmouth, I look back in horror at it actually because it's it's eight months of, uh, you know, most people are all aware of um, that sort of basic training and the the sort of almost brutality that goes on. And it, I think they've changed it now and updated, and obviously with with education and a bit of knowledge on board, I think things are way better. But it was for me a case of just trying to get through it and survive and um, rather than taking a more sort of um, approach of, of building people up it was all about breaking people down and I, I knew in the back of my head that you know it, it kind of wasn't right because all I saw was just people getting injured every single week you know there was tibial stress fractures and ankle injuries and knee injuries and hip injuries and lower back injuries and I just thought well hang on a minute aren't we trying to make and we're trying to get ourselves sort of more robust and uh, and resilient to the demands of what we're trying to do. But um, it was actually completely the opposite. And to the point where, you know, day one, we started off with 58 people and, and week 30, we ended up with 12. So it gives you gives you an idea of um, of, of, of kind of what, what goes on. Mm. So what about your coaching background? So how did you both get into, uh, I guess, coaching rather than, than competing in sport? What was your journey there? 
I think for me, um, again, I came much more via a very conventional route because um, I was so heavily involved in, in football and actually lifting. I've got a real interest in, in lifting weights and everything that surrounded that. And by 18, I was um, seriously interested in taking some form of co- coaching role. Uh, I developed a real interest in strength and conditioning. I've done my two years at, at college on um, a sport and excellence uh, diploma or something like that. Um, but then I did my degree in sports coaching, I believe. Uh, when I finished my degree, I knew that I wanted to, I said, like I said earlier, I wanted to get into S&C. I didn't really know how and I kind of um, worked in a, in a sort of commercial gym for a while and started doing some bits and bobs myself, like local athletes, um, general population, that sort of stuff. I met Rob um, and then really both of us sort of banged our heads together. I went on a couple of workshops. We're talking sort of 2010, 2011, 2012 now, um, and then sort of onwards. Um, and we just got more clarity that we wanted to help people uh, to a really good standard of, of, of coaching, albeit uh, the athletic population or general population, just you know move injury free and feel a little bit better. And um, yeah, sort of fast forward five, six, seven years, and here we are today sort of, totally and utterly immersed in in coaching um young athletes predominantly but still with a massive kind of hand in general population and sort of neurological um patient uh, yeah clients as well yeah i think you covered everything there sam i mean the only difference for me is i've i've, I've come into the come into the profession a little bit later on and, and sort of had a couple of couple of different career paths on the way uh, and obviously gone down the the UKSCA route and and attending every 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 workshop known to man up and down the country, um, but you know very similar to Sam we met and it was very very clear that we wanted to provide uh, a platform within our within the area that we live that provided a a service and a a product that was of the utmost quality and um, and obviously our our heads coming together as as hopefully hopefully providing that sort of thing. So in terms of your like, development as coaches, what coaches have influenced your style or your philosophy? Um, it's very hard to pin it down to, to, to a, a list maybe, but I think looking back, maybe uh, going back to 2010 and slightly earlier, I think we were pretty big fans of, of, of Cressy and uh, yeah. Boyle and, and we were looking at, uh, you know, sort of downloading everything we could from those guys and then sort of moving further forwards into more recent times we've 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 kind of hit a good fairly good relationship with the stuff that James Baker and Mike Young are, uh, are pumping out by performance and um that that's been a big help to us hasn't it yeah i think we liked what we liked about Cressy to start with is that we were doing a lot of general population work and and just the stuff that the detail that Eric Cressy was going into over you know um how to handle people with injuries and all the, you know, and shoulder problems, hip problems. And of course, general population have a load of that. So we were sort of blown away by Cressy's work and how much was out there at that point. Remember, that's probably going back 10 years where it isn't the same as it is now and not there's not um, as much information as there is uh, on the internet. Uh, and obviously Cressy being American was, was probably one of the first to start pumping out his own thoughts and beliefs via podcasts and blogs and all that sort of stuff. So we were sort of really really intrigued by that but as Rob said as we've got more experienced and and older and as I think SNC population grew um, obviously the James Baker stuff 
we did quite a lot of work through Brendan Chaplin's stuff as well, his mentorships, which he brought in tons of um, skin in the game guys that had done, you know, here, there and everywhere, which really helped us set up a, a solid foundation. And now we just seem to follow um, a whole host of people and just take little snippets out of what they're what they're doing and and try and sort of add that to our to our coaching practice. Mm. So what would you uh, say is like your kind of definitive purpose or why for, for coaching? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning to go and coach? Um, I think, I mean, obviously it's no secret that we're, we run a, a fairly successful program with, um, with children, adolescents in mind. And that's, that's where our joy is and uh, being able to, being able to, seek out that window of opportunity for them uh, is a is a big one for us um you know when any any 10 11 11 year old works on walks into the program you know we know we've got a a, a great a great window of two or three years where we can, we can pass on um you know so many skills and so so much um sort of education uh, for them to be able to carry that forward into their into their you know older later lives yes i think i echo what rob said it's having that influence um, just to try and help develop just generally good people that are going to be really employable and, and really hardworking. And obviously the, the things that we've seen in our younger years, like Rob said, we're just trying to educate them and hopefully get them to um, avoid, I don't know, a couple of mistakes or things that we did and just try and help them maximise their, their athletic ability as one. But actually, I think the most important one is just them as, 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 as really good people. And like I said, a lot of, um, there's a lot of transfer from the, from the ethic you can have in the gym to um, employ employability in the future, so we just get a young a young person in, maximise our athletic ability, maximise turning them just into a generally good human. We we feel like we've really done our job really well. Yeah, and I remember I remember being up at a workshop somewhere. It might have been a, it might have been a, a child to champion one that James Baker put on, and I remember Alex Natira saying that um, you know when he's he, he was working at Aspire at the time and. Um, yeah, although it's great to be to be adding you know an athletic toolbox for these kids, it's 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 ultimately all about building better humans. And I remember sort of taking that away and and, and applying applying it to what we do. Mm. So tell us, how did Cornwall High Performance come into existence? How did that get going? Um, again, it just going back to Sam and I working out of a, a the same facility. We were doing some bits and bobs, and uh, we I you know got chatting to Sam, and it was quite clear that we we were destined to set a product up uh, or set a, set a service up in Cornwall that was just a just a bit of a cut above what we were seeing I suppose and um, and that's how our heads came together and uh, yeah before you know it we were Cornwall Life Performance was formed and we were we were you know sort of on, on, on the path to, to building a better company. So is there a particular like training philosophy you guys try to follow as coaches or try to impart into your athletes when you're coaching? I think we've definitely got a couple of sets of principles that we work along uh, that yeah that we work to and that we have had since we've started which is um in terms of the training what you prescribe and what you give has to there has to be a reason for it and i think that's a really big one and we always refer back to that don't we that no training nothing should just be thrown at a, an athlete or a person in the hope that it sticks there should be a reason and a rationale that can be for general population. They've got back pain. So there's a hip opening drill there because they've got tight hips, you know, that sort of stuff. So we really just follow a uh, athlete first, sport second, 
kind of approach hopefully rob you may might be able to expand on that yeah and and yeah and to add just it's always about quality over quantity and that's um and that's the the message that we try and get across to certainly the 55 to 60 kids that we've got on the program and and their parents of course you know it's um it's not uncommon for the the any one of those children to come into our into our sessions through the week and and we hear of them you know playing seven seven or eight rugby you know training sessions stroke matches each week and for us within those sessions it's uh it's an opportunity to you know that's the only time we get to control the time that we have with them so it, it has to be of the utmost quality so give us an overview of the kind of spectrum of athletes that you're currently coaching like in terms of ages and sports etc so um range with the youngest is eight um and the oldest currently is 18 so you know 10 years between them all whole bunch of 11 to 14 year olds um and a whole range of sports so anything from tennis through to the conventional sports the the, the crickets the rugby's um footballs hockey bit of track and field and then a couple of unconventional we've got mountain biking a um, couple of surfers on board and anything else to add there sam windsurfer windsurfer yeah um and then you know varying degrees of success i mean the windsurfer is on the on the currently on the um the men's world tour i think he's ranked number five in the world and then and then we've got a whole heap of, of youth recreational athletes that you know understand the importance of looking after their bodies um uh, for the demands of the sport Mm, fantastic so what sort of challenges have you guys come across or faced in coaching young athletes so anything in particular that kind of pops up repetitively for you as coaches uh yeah um, i just yeah absolutely and the stuff that you know when you when you show us the questions rob the stuff that you sort of said is hits the nail on the head um will my child be doing something you know sports specific so you then you've got to go and outline the you know the, the ltad pathway the performance pathway that we've we've um that we've actually put together um there's tons what else is there rob what are the myths do we get after bust on a daily basis yeah i think not only not only with the with the kids it's the parents as well but you know bear in mind there are 55 plus sets of parents that we 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 want and, and like to correspond with you know on a weekly basis and and we have a we have a way of doing that um you know we have a little private facebook book group for those guys and um yeah you'll it, you know, we still get faced with, um, you know, I don't want my 15 year old daughter lifting weights or, you know, it, along those themes. So it's about busting those myths and, and just trying to educate constantly in, in the right way. Yeah, parents can get fixated. We've had a couple say, my, my, you know, my child's twice the size. And then luckily, because we test and measure, we monitor their weight, their their height and everything like that. We can actually go back with sound rationale and say, actually, your son is a kilo heavier from the last block of testing and he's three centimeters taller so it's just natural maturation so you can actually give them a little bit of evidence to back up maybe their slightly wandering mind that we've that, that we've sort of seen they have this um thinking that you know lifting a weight is going to suddenly you know stick on sort of 20 25 30 kilos immediately and um that sort of comes across to us a few times so we have found that the obvious testing uh, maturation and, and weight and things has really been able to shine some light with hard fact and evidence uh, that the changes that their body's going through could just be down to actual natural maturation as well as yeah as well as the lifting and i i think the other major major one that we respond to probably more often than not is is the overuse injury um element and um 
you know the fact that that you know the parents are quite often uh, coming to us with with issues with their children and and then when we start to dissect the week and the month and the term we, we start to realize that you know um, there are obviously different spikes in loading from a from a sporting contest a context and you know quite clearly the the two or three clubs that they're playing for are, uh, the young athletes being pulled in all sorts of different directions through the week so um, you know quite often no wonder why um, we've got we've got little niggles creeping in mm, it's interesting obviously we all come across the, the same one in terms of you know um, lifting weights, stunting growth, or potentially, you know, female athletes lifting weights and getting massive. And I saw a, a really, a really great uh, analogy or meme, I think it was the other day, which basically said, um, lifting, what is it, uh, being scared of turning into Arnold Schwarzenegger because you're lifting weights is like not taking up swimming because you're scared of turning into Michael Phelps. Yeah. Yeah. I which one. I thought was brilliant. I thought that was really, that was spot on. It's going to be, out. yeah, it's going to be extremely hard work, and you've got to have a lot of stuff on your side to be able to start looking anywhere near. You know Arnold, haven't you? Yeah, genetics, exactly. Genetics have got to be absolutely on point, and probably a few other things as well. Yeah, yeah, a bit of extra help. Um, so, do you find are parents often quite set in their ways, or do you find that actually they are open to being to being having perhaps having their opinion changed on those kind of topics? Yes and no. Yeah. Um, I think I think mm, again I think. Certainly, the again within different sports, you've got the different cultures, obviously. So quite often, um, for instance, the parents of swimmers uh, tend to have a current a, a common theme running through. Uh, that the, and and they may be may the, you know that sort of information or that maybe the slightly distorted information may be coming from the technical coaches. That's what that's what we see. Um, we, but I think you know we again we have the opportunity to educate them via um, via our little private Facebook group. So it's but we, we tend to deal with it quite well, don't we? Yeah, I think the one that Rob sort of talks about uh, just then, and I think the, the hardest thing we find to have an impact on the most stubborn is uh, overuse and continuing to do too much in a week. We hammer the same message, uh, young athletes at 10, 11. And as Mike Boyle alludes to, uh, if there's an overuse injury at 10 or 11, it's like the smoke alarm going off in your house. We tell them this, but they still continue to allow little Johnny to play football 25 times a week, regardless that his um, Achilles tendon and patella tendon are, are screaming at him. And that is a real bugbearer of mine because they've, you know, they've got potentially another 15, 20 years of sport and they're not really thinking about tomorrow as such. It's all about, it's all about today and that's, that's the biggest one personally that I want to overcome. And um, other other areas, they can be more more open to to what we say, nutrition and and, and other things. But uh, training loads seem to be a really hard one for us to, uh, to, to break. So we're starting to see more recognition that strength conditioning isn't just about senior elite level performance. So obviously, when it first kind of jobs were coming out they're all kind of elite level teams and sports and uh, the institute etc and we're starting to see that kind of dribble down now to the youth level so do you think we're going to see more coaches purposely choosing to coach at the youth level rather than the senior level and if so what do you why do you think that might be i think that's a that's a yeah that's a given for sure um you know and i i think if if we can if we can build something like this in Cornwall, you know, bear in mind, and uh, Sam will back me up on this, we are at the end of the road down here and it's it's really, it's taken, we're still we're still on the educational path. Um, it's taken a, a, a lot of time to try and 
switch on the parents and the kids within this county with with regards to athletic development and and getting their bodies prepped for the demands of whatever sport they're involved in um i, I can only think it's it's starting to dribble down a lot quicker in, in other in other areas of the country i think that even in cornwall here i've noticed a big change like I went to school down here and college down here and there wasn't the opportunities even then that there are now with with terms of structured sport and how much sport these guys are playing each week and the opportunities they've got that obviously brings about the issues of overuse injuries um it's 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 more well known isn't it that uh, these professional sports uh, athletes now um do some form of strength and conditioning all the kids when they come in they know that the parents know that so for me, it's a no-brainer. You can educate them and develop them, like we talked about earlier, from a young age, so that they've got a healthy, um, long time in the sport, and that if they ever need to look after their own training and uh, S&C and uh, general week-to-week structure, which they will, they've got a good idea about how to do it to to, to give them longevity. So it gives a, uh, an S&C coach tons of purpose and loads of scope to develop. Um, and like I said, because it, uh, opportunities are more and more these days for the young guys in different sports and, and potential routes, the two marry together really, really well. Mm. So what, what tools do you think maybe are specific to coaches who are coaching youth athletes that they need to be effective in? Hats. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. How many? Yeah, just, just having a good selection of hats to wear. Um, you know, as, as we know, no, you don't mean that literally, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you can, if you want, you can, if you want, I mean, probably in Cornwall, not so much in still. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the kids would love that. I mean, um, you got, I think effective communication as well for all the different children that you're working with, because they are so, so varied. And, um, you know, with, with the, you only have to step into our program to see the just the range of, um, the range of kids that we've got from uh, the, the ability to sort of soak up information and um, just because they're not speaking and not and not saying anything doesn't mean they're not taking it in and um, communication for us is a big one being able to communicate to 55 different children in maybe a slightly different way for each one is is, is definitely a big one yeah and i think going on from that um i think they respond really well to you edu- educating them on why you're doing what you're doing i think Sometimes maybe the, the 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 thinking is that young young people just get told uh, whatever it is without a, some sometimes that a reason and a rationale and we like to reason rationale and and explain to them why they're doing X exercise and where that will lead and and just show them the future and I think that uh, alongside really effective communication the two work really well and you can get some really good buy-in and the young athletes can see where they're going to go with you and then when they eventually leave us for for university or whatever it may be then they can see their their pathway from there. I think as well. I mean, we, we 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 you know, generally speaking, when when the kids come in, it's it's largely coach led, and then and then obviously over time, the spoon feeding element drifts away, and and the the athletes obviously take ownership and responsibility for their programs, and so it becomes a huge learning environment. And uh, and like Sam said, if we can demonstrate and show them the pathway effectively. Um, and, and make it that learning environment. It's a win-win situation. Yeah, and I think an under, just the last underrated one is just talking to them like normal young young people. I do it every single session. I'll go around, have a bit of a joke, um, just see what they've been up to, even outside of sport and SNC, and just make sure they're all all right. And it's maybe it's really basic, but 
I think that's a really important part for rapport with you guys and again building buy-in that you're just looking out for them and yeah yes you're there you're their snc coach and you're looking to help develop them but you're still a, a normal human being as well that makes mistakes and you know you just want to see how they're doing and, and, and sort of what's going on and i think the three of those really marry marry well together and the guys can come to us and and ask us non-snc related questions as well and and just general advice and we're, we're you know we're happy to try and help them out there if we can yeah i think that's massive that's a really big thing i think that's hugely underrated people kind of think if you turn up to a session and you deliver the the sets and reps and the coaching cues then you've done your job but um i think we probably all agree that coaching is way more about that and actually that you know i can't remember who there's so many different people in snc that say it but your best monitoring tool is actually talking to the athlete yeah, and i yeah. think you kind of you create that that at the front end by that building that rapport and that that buy-in so that when an issue does pop up six months down the line they've got the relationship to come and to raise it with you and the confidence that you'll actually take it seriously and, and want to know about them. I think um, that's a really big thing to kind of approach them as, as human beings first and athletes second. Totally. Um, I know it's yeah. one of those things that I, I'm the same trying to have those conversations around what you're doing at school, what do you want to do when you finish, you know, what do you get up to at the weekend, all those kind of things because there's so much to them outside of rugby yeah. in our context. Yeah, we. I mean, we both remember a while ago someone asked us, oh, do you know, do you know, do you know the names of all your all your all the kids on your program and and yeah we we know away, we, know, we? we were blown away by the question really because you know we not only know their names their middle names their surnames but we know the shoe size what 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 they did last week and just everything about their lives and uh, um you know i think that again that just comes through effective communication and talking to them like humans mm. so you're obviously both pretty big advocates of the autonomy of kind of running your own private entity rather than necessarily being a full-time employed coach for for someone else or for a different organization so why is why is that cool good question rob um i think i think look we we, we both live down in the southwest we both live in cornwall it's um that we, there aren't the organizations down here to go and work full-time for so none of us uh sorry either of us are uh, I don't think we'll leave Cornwall as such. We, you know, we love living here. It's a great environment. So, the automatic um, route was to was to set up something for ourselves and 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 build build that picture. Um, and on on the other side of that, uh, yeah, we've we've both been in employed roles. Um, and yeah, we we just favour we favour working for ourselves. It gives us control over what we do. It gives us the opportunity to grow um and and build it into something that uh, we can be proud of and um uh and there's uh, as far as we're concerned there's there's just more potential yeah absolutely second second what rob said there couldn't have put it better myself so what do you think are the, the alternative skills that are required for running your own private entity versus being uh, an employee um it's not nine to five. I know that not every, I know that not all SNC coaches are nine to five, but hopefully people will get my drift. You've got to have the you know you've got to be. Although we do like to switch off, and we will both say right Saturday or whatever day it is, right phone goes off, no 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 talk in, in regards to business. But something needs doing at eight p.m. for your following day for the session or for something that you know needs to be done. You just have to do it. There's no ifs or buts there. So you've got to be prepared to to work weird and wonderful hours. Um, but if you're doing it for something you love, that that really isn't a problem. And actually, you do have to sort of pull yourself away. So I'd say you've got to have the ability to be able to actually take a step back and take your time off. And that's a, a really important one because it's very, very easy to get uh, engrossed 
in and on the business all the time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it could be literally, Rob, it could be seven days a week if we if we really wanted it to be that way. Certainly um, on the business, maybe not um, coaching, but um, yeah, it's, it's important, isn't it? It's important to have your downtime. So what are, what other things have you guys gone about developing when you realized, okay, I lack the, the kind of knowledge in this area or the expertise in this area, maybe more business-wise than, than SNC-wise? Absolutely nail on the head. Bus- the business side is, is as important without, you know, uh, I can't remember who said it, but you can't be a good coach if you've got no athletes to coach. And um, I think we said that to you last time, Rob, in one of our mm-hmm. Q&As with you, it, it stands so true. You've got to be able to get those people in through the door to be able to use your skill set of um, S&C coaching prowess. And if you don't have your nuts and bolts of the business uh, side of things, your marketing side of things, you simply aren't going to get people through the door. Food's something we put on the table and you're probably not going to last very long in um, your, your own private your private business and who knows what could happen from there. So, yeah, absolutely. Business CPD is a is, is a must. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? And it's it's something that we were particularly, you know, probably bad at in the early days when we were together. We didn't realize that it was uh, maybe of, of, of the importance it is, but um, we've grown to love it. I mean, all those little jobs that need doing, I mean, we used to despise, didn't we? But uh, actually, we've grown to really enjoy it. And I think once you get some really good systems in place, and you start bringing the right people in to give you the information you need and um, maybe maybe some marketing media people, it then just starts to get a little bit easier and become just just daily, daily habitual stuff. Yeah, it works like a good, you know, a good um, organization uh, in, in sport, for example, you've got your physios, you've got your your S&C coach, you've got different experts in different areas. That's what we've looked to try and do with this. We've got help on the the marketing and social media side of things. We've got people doing infographics for us from the creative design side of things, pulling uh, experts that can do it better than you, faster than you. That's an investment into your business and you'll see your 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 business grow and expand as a result of that. So you can't do everything. At the same time, you can't do everything yourself. Mm, that seems like a pretty big one, I think, because uh, we can often get spending time, you know, getting something perfect that actually isn't our skill set whereas we'd be much better off and more productive in a different area in our, totally. in our earlier days mate we I, we I had so many good ideas for stuff but couldn't follow it through because i didn't have the the time or knowledge to be able to design or do whatever it was and since we've employed someone in that area you know i've got this idea i can get on some of whatsapp and say um can you do xyz for us and we can make those, those things happen so it's, uh, it really is a your business if anyone's doing that that's listening is a is a huge one and I'll, me and rob would really advocate bringing in experts to help you to help you develop mm. so kind of further that what advice would you give to those people who are looking to go down the same route as yourselves in terms of building a, a business coaching youth athletes um yeah kind of following on from that i guess i guess start start getting up to speed with um social media platforms and um and learning how to get your content out there in a in a, a way that is serving the people you want to work with. Yeah. Um, I think we, we you know we float around on on obviously Instagram and Facebook, probably Instagram more so now, um, where we we see a lot of content get get put out there, and we often wonder who it's for. Um, it, it, it you you've got to you've got to have depending on who you're working with, you've got to get that content out there that is right for them because. Um, otherwise, it's kind of lost, and um, it's got to be varied as well. So you, you've got to start understanding the, the 
the ways around those those ways of kind of getting getting your message out there, getting your brand out there, and just making yourself attractive to the people that want to employ you. Hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I'd go for point number two is going to be give yourself permission, give yourself yeah. full 100% permission to go for it. Your ideas, what you want to do. That's a big thing we see in uh, on our uh, private Facebook group, Build Your, your Youth Fitness Business with us guys. We see, still see people with loads of good ideas, but they just haven't fully given themselves the permission to go out there and get it. Um, once you've given yourself that permission or someone else has given it for you, you know, it opens up a whole world of um, uh, development for you. Really, really that simple. Yeah, and I, I think you've just got to be prepared to understand that it's not an overnight success yeah. process. And um, it, it does take time and you, you've got to be prepared to make a few mistakes along the way. You're not going to get it right first time. Um, and if anyone is wanting some advice, please feel free to get in touch and we'll, we'll be happy to help out. Mm. So in, in contrast, perhaps for those who are maybe just coaching youth athletes, so um, any sports coaches or PE teachers, those people kind of tuning into the podcast, what advice would you give to those people who are not wanting to build their own business, but are just wanting to be better coaches of youth athletes? Yeah, so get on the, get on the James Baker hub, um, especially if it's LTAD stuff. He's got some really, really good stuff on that online hub with uh, Mike Young, the performance thing. Loads of games on there, loads of structures, loads of setups. I think if you've got a basic understanding of the strength and conditioning principles, you can probably take a lot from that and and apply that to your PE lessons and, and things like that. Um, what else? I think uh, getting involved with Science for Sport, uh, the journal, uh, sorry, the Performance Digest there. And then uh, the Facebook page that's been set up as a result of that. If you've got that, there's some really good youth-based discussions that go on in there and some really thought-provoking stuff. Mm. Um, anything else you I mean, want to Rob? No, I mean, those are the, those are the main, two, main, two or three main resources, I think, which can help uh, help a lot of people out. And then get into the Youth S&C uh, Facebook, Facebook page as well. Of course. <laughs> no, generally serious. That's, um, of course, as you know, <laughs> it's uh, got a lot of really, really good practitioners in there from elite sport all the way down to, to what we do. And I think there's a lot of value in that in those sorts of groups as well. And you're going to learn from experienced practitioners that are, are working in, in the youth market day in, day out. And then, yeah, get on, get on, get on Instagram or social media and start following the, you know, youth development guys, because there's a ton of good, ton of good stuff out there um, being, being pumped out week on week in week. Mm-hmm. It's interesting you mentioned that youth S&C page because, um, I've actually gone to kind of super top secret with that to kind of prevent any idiots coming in um, because because <laughs> you just with the with the quality of people that are there if you have idiots in there they'll just leave you know if there's a Des Ryan in there a Dan Baker in there and James Baker and those you know if you get idiots asking stupid questions uh, you can't risk that it, it detracts from the group so I'm pretty much like it's like Fight Club you know no one talks about it <laughs> you can't find it get it deleted then Rob this won't be an answer an idiot yeah yeah. So um, where can people find out more about you guys and your work, whether it's coaching and, and getting involved in Cornwall High Performance in terms of an, as an athlete or those who are coaches and want to learn a bit more about the Build Your Youth Fitness business? Yeah, so we've got um, our coaching side of things, www.cornwallhighperformance.co.uk, Cornwall High Performance on Insta, Cornwall High on Twitter. I mean, you can probably just type in you know, Cornwall High Performance and all the social media platforms you'll find us. Build your youth fitness business with Rob and Sam on Facebook for all the nuts and bolts of, of fitness. Um, sorry, building a, a YFB and very soon to drop our some some workshops and seminars and things like that. So if you're 
uh, on any of our social media channels, then you'll see that sort of stuff pumped out there. Nice, definitely. And uh, obviously, you know, when that, that those details come out, then you'll uh, you'll well in terms of we'll definitely be sharing those details out because it's you know what you guys are doing in terms of building a, a business and and what your the information you're giving out there is top quality and obviously it deserves to be shared and kind of spread further to, to help other people do great work. So you will definitely be getting that push much. from me. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. And um, like we're you know we we're not claiming to be any experts right here. We're just sharing our experiences so far and the stuff, the mistakes we've made and the things that we've learned that are right. And you know, if people want to listen and invest into that, um, then that's fantastic. So we've built a 60 plus cohort of eight to 18 year olds now and um that's that's that sort of growing faster and faster as, as as we develop so yeah if anyone's interested we'd love to have you guys on board brilliant well guys thanks so much for your time i really appreciate it because i know you guys are hectic both in coaching and working on your business as well so uh, i really appreciate you setting the time aside today pleasure rob pleasure, pleasure you, as mate. always mate no worries at all Thanks for listening to the podcast. We'd love to hear your reviews and comments, so please do leave us a review on your chosen podcast player. If you want to visit us on social media, you can do so using the handle at AthleticEvoUK on Twitter and Instagram, or by searching Athletic Evolution on Facebook. You can also visit us at www.athleticevolution.co.uk. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 